Whether you're a professional dancer or just started falling in love with ballet dance, welcome to the Ballet Dance Life podcast. Here, we are diving deep into all facets of ballet dance world that cannot be found in a workshop or an audience seat. Every week, you will find new, honest, thought-provoking, inspiring, and educational conversation with top leading professionals of our industry. I'm your host, Jana Komornitska, and I'm honored that you are part of our dance tribe. Hello, everyone. How are you doing? How is uh, your January going on? Last few weeks were a little bit uh, crazy with, and busy with different holidays, so I took uh, a couple of extra days off to spend with a uh, family. It's, as you know, I'm right now currently in Ukraine, and it's not every winter that I have a chance to spend here with my parents. But uh, also, last few weeks were super busy with the launch of my new baby project, Yana Dance Club, as you know, online platform for your weekly training. It's so cool to see people engaging on the platform and practicing and also connecting with each other and using it as truly a way to connect and find new friends and new um, friends like-minded dancers. So it's really have been uh, awesome and cool. But now I'm also happy to be back on a regular schedule for our podcast and there is so much cool stuff waiting for you in 2020 that I can't wait to share. But right now, I thought it would be very nice to uh, share a couple of episodes from my other show, Asking a Dance, where I answer your question. And there are two questions that I wanted to feature specific on this uh, episode, on this podcast. And the reason is that January is typically the time of the year when we open uh, new classes, new groups, specifically for beginners, students, and some of you may uh, now start your teaching uh, career too. January is one of those months that we start something new and as well as open doors for new people in our dance classes and schools. And there are often uh, rising up uh, questions of student and teacher relationships and where those boundaries and how to structure classes in the best way especially we have mixed uh, uh, levels and all that uh, interesting stuff so here i'm featuring in a mini episode of Dance life podcast i'm featuring two episodes of you asking a dance specifically related to this topic of teacher-student relationships. So hope you enjoy it and let's dive right into it. Hello Jana, Happy New Year! I have a big question. Friend or not with students? I have been studied teaching since two years ago and I was uh, and am uh, very, let's say, there for my students. I love them and I give them all my dancing teaching self, but there's one girl that lately is getting over some boundaries that should be between teacher and student. I feel like maybe it's my fault because I was just too close to them and let them come too close to me, but in the same time the problem is not with all of them, but only with one. It's a bad thing for the group and for my image too, at the same time, now I respect them and of course I don't want to lose any of my students, but how can I resolve this problem? I feel like it's too late to resolve it with her. I'm confused. Mm. 
That's one of the common struggles, I think, for uh, teachers. Uh, I'm not actively teaching a group of students or private students right now, but I used to. And uh, I found that the most difficult is uh, to teach my own friends. So at some point in my dance uh, journey, I decided that I'm not giving any individual classes to my friends, not because I don't love them, exactly because I love them and I don't want to spoil, spoil a friendship relationships. But it uh, was a difficult um point for me how to find the balance between okay we are friends in real like regular life but in a dance class then someone comes to me as a student we are teaching a student because I strongly believe that there should be some uh, boundaries and distance not that you try to push these people away or you don't like them actually opposite I feel as a teacher we should think about not necessarily being liked by students. I'll explain what I mean by that. But first of all, how we can serve those students. So how, as a teachers, we can deliver the best. For instance, it's a little bit rough analogy, but just to clear, uh, clear what I'm trying to say, like as a doctor, you're not thinking, oh, this is my good friend, how can I make them like me? You will think what is good for this person. Sort of the same comes to teaching. Of course, it's a bit rough comparison, but it's sort of the same principle. So you kind of need to distance a little bit yourself from any subjective relationship to the person and look from um, afar what I as a teacher can uh, deliver to this person. How can I help? The main task is to improve uh, improve their dancing or guide them on their dance journey. And sometimes we sort of need to be a bit distanced. With that, it doesn't mean that you can't be friends with these people. Of course you can. But in the dance studio, in the dance class, I personally uh, believe that there should be some little sort of separation from... Uh, friends and student-teacher relationships. Uh, also, as a teacher, you should uh, remember that whenever you do a group classes, you're serving a group. So your main go goal is not to uh, try to please every single person. You need to look at this a little bit from bigger picture. As a student, people always try to search their teacher. So whenever someone comes to class, it doesn't necessarily mean that... Um, this teacher is necessarily good for them, it, regardless of the teacher's dance skills. People need to find um, complementary energy so they can actually get and absorb the material that this teacher is providing. So even if they decide to leave to another teacher, it doesn't mean that the first teacher was bad teacher. Dance, it just was not for them. The same way goes from teacher's perspective. Do not necessarily think that every single student that comes in your class has to stay there and it's that it's your student. Just the same way students are looking for their teacher, you as a teacher need to, to look for your students who share the same uh, values and who share the same sort of like on energy level you can complement each other because just in this case in this combination of match between student and teacher you actually can deliver your best as a teacher to this person so even as you're saying in your own message that this uh, kind of situation it harms the group in general but even if it to leave the group point away because I think it's very clear that if you saw this 
uh, relationship with one person, it will benefit the group in general. But even if to put it aside, think just about this specific student. Are you really serving her the best as a teacher while you have a tension in your relationship with this person? Is it really the best that you can deliver? Because sometimes to let person go is actually making better for both sides. This person as a student, she will find the teacher who actually meet her uh, expectations and her needs. And she can progress much faster than maybe she is progressing right now with you having all this um, extra layer of relationship. As well as you as a um, teacher, can you really, like, if to be honest, like, with yourself, ask yourself, do I really deliver my best as a teacher when I have this sort of problems with a student? And... Uh, uh, in many cases, it, it won't be, it won't be the, the case. So why not to let the student find their own teacher, free this energetic spot to find your student, actually your student who is looking for you as their teacher, and also deliver the much more to, to the group. Uh, and don't also be scared that uh, people, if people go away, it means that you are losing students. There will be more students. People will come. And it's just a matter of keep going and keep doing your work the best way you can. Coming back to the point how to resolve it in this situation. Of course, like, I'm not trying to say that all, like, push this person away or anything. Of course not. Uh, we all want to save, like, good relationship and you can be teacher and a student and friends at the same time. But my suggestion would be uh, first just to uh, first talk to this person and explain to her. Don't try to blame, oh, like, you make me uncomfortable or whatever is happening because I don't know really details of what is happening, just know the general situation. But don't try to blame another person. Rather explain, as a teacher, I feel this way. As a teacher, I'm trying to do this, but I have this little struggle or issue that prevents me from doing what I want to do. And if this person is a true friend, if it's really a sincere friendship relationship, she will understand and she will support you and she will uh, help to find together between you how you can establish this nice relationship that will support not only your friendship, but also support your relationship teacher and student and support you as a teacher for the entire group. And if it's not the case, then again, question what what is more important? Be trying to be an ideal individual teacher for a specific person or your teaching activities and your servant for the group in general. Uh, again, this is very general answer just because, of course, I'm not in the situation, I don't know. But my main uh, philosophy is that... Um, not every person, not every teacher is good for me, as well as not I'm a best teacher for every person. There should be a match, a complementary match, and it's totally fine. And there is nothing wrong if person decides to, to go to another teacher. It doesn't mean that uh, I'm bad or that person bad. It's just a relationship. We all try to find what is best for us and we all strive to... Uh, to progress in our dance, in, in developing our dance journey, both as teacher, as dancer, a student, and this is just a natural flow, and uh, uh, sometimes separating one kind of relationship, in this case we are talking about teacher and student relationship, can really benefit your uh, friends, friend, friendship. So, 
Good luck with it. I know it's tough situations and uh, I know that um, it's not easy to solve sometimes, uh, but uh, I would encourage you to follow follow what you feel inside is the right solution for for this situation. How to teach when you have beginners and intermediate in one group so that beginners don't get panic and the intermediates don't get bored? First of all, I should say that you will have structure your class that it always have has some basics there. Unfortunately, you will not be able to skip it fully. Uh, you still need to include it. But how to include it in a non-obvious way? First of all, and the, the major saver for this is your warm-up. Warm-up is perfect time to introduce basic movements to beginners of whatever basic aspects, so it depends which is the level of the beginners, is it completely first time person in the class or has some knowledge, at, like a little bit at least, but your warm-up is your savior. <laughs> it's basically preparation for the entire future class. And you don't need really to emphasize, oh, now we are doing the basics. You can always do in a warm-up setting, in a warm-up or a tempo and mode, you can introduce um, and break down the movements uh, and build them up. For instance, if you're talking about hip circle, you don't need to right away to start with hip circle. You can go side, front, side, back, side, front, side, back. Now let's connect. Here is the hip circle. You already introduced it uh, to the beginners and for intermediates, it's a great way to warm up and review the basics. Second tip, uh, structure all your combinations with different levels and adds on. <laughs> For instance, what I'm talking about. If you're going to a shimmy drill, for instance, you can go shimmy with like knees and you can say whoever is not comfortable, whoever is new in the class and not comfortable with this movement, stay here. Just do this kind of shimmy. For everyone who is comfortable with this movement, add chest circle or lifts up and down or whatever. So you do add-ons for every single drill throughout your class. Like warm-up can be all together, it's good to review basically, but later it can be all combinations, uh, either structured, the uh, drills. Like this was a demonstration of a structured drill. Shimmy, someone practices simple shimmy, someone starts adding something else on top of it. For combinations, the perfect add on is work of arms. For instance, you can give a combination with a hip drop and you can say for beginners, okay, just do hip drop or whatever movement you do. For everyone else who feels comfortable with hip drop, let's try to add arms and you start doing some whatever arms on top of that. Can be any combination. Arms is a perfect example of how to structure it level by level. So for beginners, you're given just steps and hips and say, tell them, just do this practice for everyone who is already familiar, who feels comfortable and or you can even say whoever comes to my class more than three or four or six months, whatever your definition of in intermediate and beginners are. Uh, so for everyone who's coming X number of months, add arms now. You break down arms, you practice all together, but some people practice just steps and hips, some people practice together with arms. 
Third tip, and I think this is the most important, is psychological uh, approach to it. And first of all, from your perspective, how you present it. If you are as an instructor stressed, stressed and panicked that, oh my God, I have beginners and intermediates in the same group and you keep complaining or keep emphasizing and bringing attention to it, this is the worst thing you can do to yourself. Because people's brains are wired that we always will look for something to complain about. Unfortunately, there are not many uh, super extremely optimistic people around us, even like positive, nice people, we still, we wire that we will always find something to complain. And if you keep emphasizing your challenge or you can't do this, uh, go further or go deep into basics because you have a mixed group, then what happens? Beginners, they will feel like they need to panic. Oh, if my instructor worried, then probably I need to worry too. And then we'll start complaining. Oh, it's too difficult. Uh, oh, it's too fast for me, the tempo. Oh, it's not, it's not for me. It's like she's not bringing much attention to me. That's one kind of problem. Then intermediates, when they see that you are keep emphasizing that you have a mixed group, they will feel, oh, this instructor doesn't give me full attention or full potential what, what, I should do at my level because she has all other people that uh, she's given, she's taking attention from me and given to them. So one important tip for that, don't emphasize how challenging it is to do a group of mixed levels, switch it and tweak it and uh, twist it completely in different direction. Always emphasize how important it is to review basics, which will be useful for intermediate, and it's actually true. Always emphasize that the further, the more you review and polish basics, the easier and nicer in the future will look more advanced movements. And for beginners, twist it in a way that yeah, this is a little preview how fun it can get. So put it as a little fun uh, challenge of their comfort zone rather than like obstacle and really like a barrier or struggle for them. No, just say, this is your preview of what you will be able to do, let's say in half a year. That's fine for them to see in the future and try, try it. And if they feel that you you um, treat it positively and in a fun, interesting way, they will treat it the same. And my last suggestion, whenever you go and stop and dedicate part of your class to review the basics, always tell your students, don't go simply through the motion of the movement. That's not the point of this exercise. I know you know the technique or the, the motion of what's supposed to be doing. Take this time to work on range of motion, strength, uh, flexibility, uh, fluidity, whatever it can be depends on the movement that you are working on. So if you are doing Maya, all intermediate students, all professional students uh, know how to do Maya, but I keep putting it again and again in all my technique drills uh, for different videos, whatever I offer to, to my students, even online, knowing that they know the technique, but the idea of Maya is not to review technique, it's to stretch your hips and work on the range of motion. So you're killing again two tasks. You can stop on Maya and break it down and say it's side, like push to the side. 
you're giving attention to details for intermediate students and they know they're not learning Maya right now in their brains, which is supposed to be, they're working on the range of motion of that Maya that later will go into all other different movements. And at the same time, you're breaking movement details step by step for beginner students. So the basics, it's very possible to teach intermediate and beginners in the same group. You just need to, to structure your class a little bit smarter and make sure you're bringing attention of each group of the students to positive, nice things, not to the challenges. Oh my God, how difficult it is to be in the mixed group, but opposite, you're tweaking it in a fun and positive, uh, interesting way for them. And that's it for today, guys. But before you go away, don't forget to screenshot this episode and share it with your friends. And if you post it on social media, please tag me and our guest because we love seeing who is listening to the podcast. Thanks for being with us and I'll see you next week. Same time, same place.